Uebio? He's on vacation, but took the time to talk to us, investigative reporter with the Buck Times, Mr. Kevin Stockland. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you for being here. So I want to ask you before we get started, have you ever had turkey-flavored ice cream? I'm gagging just saying that. I never have. Who's making that? Oh, some Levine, Arizona ice cream shop is selling turkey-flavored ice cream. I could uh, I, I could get, like, pumpkin pie or something like that. I could understand that, but not turkey. No. That's disgusting. All right. Um, I, what I want to... What I want to know is why do they keep going after coal? Is it is it just their way of making sure that they can control us in every single way because we're all going to need the government to help us if we don't have coal? Well, you know, they, we've got the reasons that they state. The reasons that they state are, uh, you know, they're fighting global warming, and if they can take out coal, we can get the temperatures down and everything goes back to normal with our weather. Um, so that's the stated goal. Um, if there are other motives, whether there's a profit motive or, uh, you know, disabling the United States electric system, they haven't come out and said it. We can only speculate. Okay, because I remember it, this is just a capitulation to the Obama administration, honestly. They, um, they went after coal in a big way, not just shutting down refineries, but saying we're just going to make the parts impossible to find. So if you break down, you can't fix it. That's pretty much what they did. That was their way of banning it without banning it. Um, but what's happening right now? What are we looking at? What's the threat? Well, it's coming from three different directions. So one, you certainly have the EPA um, that has now set CO2 emissions uh, standards so tight that it's going to drive a lot of these plants out of business. They also There's a lot of regulations that are mandating that utilities buy from winded solar sources before they take uh, power from coal and gas. So that's also pushing them out of the market. Um, you also have the ESG movement. So the owners of these utilities, which also include big funds like BlackRock and Vanguard, um, they are also pressuring these companies to retire coal plants. And then lastly, we have um, efforts like uh, the Bloomberg um, the Bloomberg Initiative, which uh, just pledged another $500 million on top of the $500 million they've already spent to retire coal plants, and it's working. Apparently, there are about 530 existing coal plants uh, throughout the United States, and 372 of them have either closed or are scheduled to be closed. So that's about 70% of our coal capacity being taken offline. So what does that mean for us? Because, I mean, coal's cheap. Coal is cheap and it's reliable. Uh, so what we're doing is transitioning our electric grid to a cheap and reliable source uh, from that to a uh, source that's utterly dependent on the weather, so wind and solar, um, and it's adding instability into our grid that may well take it down. Certainly it will drive up the costs of doing that, and the reason that we think so is because we're about 10 years behind Germany, who's done this exact same experiment, and what they found is that they are... Um, System, their electric system became much more unreliable. It is now the most expensive electricity of any developed country in the world, and they are now starting to fire up their coal plants again because wind and solar just did not work. Not only does it not work, it cannot generate the kind of, of power that we need, especially with the influx of people coming into our country right now. The grids and everything that we have that are affordable cannot handle the amount of people, and yet they want to switch to something that would provide less for even more people. Yeah, what people need to understand, the big picture of this, there's the supply and the demand side. So the demand side, we are now shoving 
all sorts of things onto the electric grid transportation with EVs, home heating. Um, they're trying to ban gas stoves and transition that to electricity. So we're putting all of this new demand, and in addition to what you mentioned, you know, the, just the normal economic growth and people coming into the country, et cetera. So that's the demand side of the equation. On the supply side of the equation, we are consistently taking out the most reliable, cheapest sources, and we are um, putting on uh, really a majority, they're trying to get up to 70%, of our electricity generated by wind and solar, which, as we know, only works when the weather cooperates. Right, right. And and if you can afford solar and if you can afford wind and you want to have it as a backup, I'm all about that. I think, you know, that, that sort of freedom is great, but coal is something we need. And if you, if you look at other countries, the ones who are up and coming and, and making like a rapid march on the su- success of our economy, it's places who are now digging coal mines, including China right. and, and Russia. Yeah, Right. So China is now leading the charge of establishing new coal plants. They're building them at a, a rapid pace. While the U.S. has reduced their CO2 emissions to about the level of the mid-1970s, China now emits twice as much CO2 as the United States, and India is catching up very fast. So these countries that are focused on development and they're focused on providing reliable, affordable energy to their industries um, are not following this transition whatsoever. They are investing heavily in coal. But the United States and Western Europe, for whatever reason, the climate change narrative, whatever, we've decided to embark on this experiment, and it does not look like it's going to go well for us. And then what, though? We shut them down? Do we fire them back up? How do we get back on our feet? Yeah, that's the question. And, you know, the question is how quickly could we do that if we needed to, because we're not doing maintenance on them or anything else. You don't just flip the switch and they come right back on. You have the whole supply chain that goes with it. And the concern is that when, see, our electric grid has to operate, it always balances supply and demand within a very narrow tolerance. And if that goes out of whack, you can do long-term damage to the hardware of your system. So we saw, you know, rolling blackouts in California, in Texas, we had them in Tennessee, um, and they were able to recover from that because they could just shut down um, demand quickly and get the thing back in balance. But if you can't do that, you may be doing long-term damage to your grid. If the power goes out in this country for more than a few days or a few hours, you are looking at catastrophe. It is really the Achilles heel, not only of our economy, but of our entire society. Uh. This just upsets me. Plus, you got to remember the people who have been working in coal mines. That's how they support their families. And they get a really good wage. It might be a crappy job. It, it probably really is crappy. I'm sure it's better now than it used to be. But that's how they support their families. And the elimination of these jobs, they keep saying, well, they'll be changed over to high-tech jobs. So there will actually be more jobs. Um, that would take a level of education and and, and technology informational training and that sort of thing that some of these guys don't have, nor do they have time for because they're trying to raise their families. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical on that as well because all of the components that go into the solar panels and the windmills, um, that th- those are raw materials, mineral-based. That, that's all refined in China. So, you know, everything that we need to build EV batteries and solar panels and wind turbines, that all channels through China, we are basically just an assembly line for the, these raw materials. And China can cut them off anytime they want to. We saw that with graphite recently. So the fact that we're going to become a, a manufacturing powerhouse for wind and solar and EVs, 
I'm really skeptical about that. Mm-hmm. Me too. All right. So what do we do? I mean, how do we stop them? I know everybody says call your congressman, but it doesn't really seem like they're listening. You know, most utilities are regulated at the state or the regional level. And um, right now our system is set up with all these incentives to uh, incentivize the purchase of wind and solar. But nobody's really looking at reliability. And so I think we need regulators at the state level, at the regional level, at the national level to some extent, to really demand that these utilities are making clear how they're going to deliver affordable, reliable energy. You know, the goal that was set by the Biden administration, by Bloomberg, etc., is always we're going to take out coal, we're going to reduce CO2 emissions. But the goal is never we're going to provide affordable, reliable energy to Americans. And so we need a shift in that mentality, and I think state regulators need to really get on board with that. Yeah. Okay. So when we look at how we are as a nation, how we operate right now, do you know off the top of your head, Kevin, how much we rely on coal? Um, I don't off the top of my head. I know it's it's a declining percentage, but it still is a major percentage of the electricity we're producing. We have been transitioning to some extent to gas, which is much cleaner. Um, but I think fossil fuels are still probably about two-thirds to three-quarters of it, much more than that, actually, of the electricity we produce. Yeah, and if they go for this and they continue to push for all of this, I mean, this is going to be catastrophic to not only our economy but our ability to stay afloat within our families well it's very risky and if you think of everything that we depend on electricity for i mean try going without electricity for just a day or two in your own home i mean it's water it's Mm -hmm. heat it's refrigeration it's food delivery it's communication it's sewage i mean everything even delivery of, of gas through pipelines you know all of this relies on electricity not to mention our bank accounts and everything else so we are utterly dependent on it. To lose it would be an absolute catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. And I want people to remember that as soon as they get done with coal, they're going to be coming after natural gas, which they already kind of are. But today we focus on coal. The next battle is going to be natural gas. They're already fighting oil to be, you know, drilled for and, and produced in this country and refined, they would rather ship it across the ocean and take a chance on on a, a freight liner leaking and, you know, hurting the ecosystem than just building a pipeline that we could cover with dirt and the habitat could remake itself and everything would be just fine. They would rather fight against that than than anything else. So I don't understand them, Kevin. I don't. It is very puzzling. Um, you know, these are smart people. Bloomberg's a smart person. He was a very good mayor of New York. He can do the math as well as anybody, and any energy economist will tell you this is going on. So I'm also scratching my head in terms of why we're going down this path. And also when we've seen Germany and other countries in Europe go ahead of us, and it's a disaster. So like you, these are questions that I keep asking. Why are we doing this? And I have yet to get a reasonable answer. Yeah, well, and every time I have someone like you on, Kevin, I always make sure people understand when those windmills, I call them windmills because they look like big windmills, wind generating machines, they kill so many birds, including bald eagles and birds that are useful to society. And when they break, they bury them and they do not break down. They are a problem that we are going to have in the future should we switch to them and have them everywhere. They will take up farmland. They will be ugly. 
nobody wants them in their yard, but everybody wants them everywhere. It's it's the weirdest damn thing. I just cannot make it make sense. But I don't know why Bloomberg is hell-bent on shutting everything down, but he must somehow believe he's going to be in the upper echelon of those who tell us what to do when everything falls apart. What could be his motivation? Yeah, it could be that. It seems that when you become a billionaire, you, you don't worry about money so much. Your next thing is power. You know, you, you run for president yeah. uh, and you start looking for ways to control other people. That seems to be, whether it's Bill Gates or George Soros or Michael Bloomberg, that seems to be the progression. Oh, Soros has gone bat crap crazy. I don't know. That guy's bleeding from the eyes. And I guess his son is even worse than he is. So I guess we're in for a, the head of the snake growing back even bigger with two two heads i don't i don't know right. but this is that to look forward to yeah this is frightening so michael bloomberg is is public enemy number 1 as far as coal is concerned but there's got to be a way to stop it i know he said this is going to be the final nail in the coffin for the coal industry but there's got to be a way to stop him uh well you know we got to one thing is, you know, change of administration might help. Um, this administration is, is really hell-bent on, hell on doing this, uh, so to, that would be one thing that would help. But as I said, I think people need to start being aware of this and speaking out and speaking out to the utility regulators. This is not anything that's exciting or, you know, we had to do this with school committees. Uh, you know, people need to get involved at the local level and, and just say this is not acceptable. Oh, and we'll all be domestic terrorists as soon as we do. So prepare for the next civil war because I'm afraid that it's coming. I feel like we've got a bunch of little mice running around to the sound of the Pied Piper right now. And I don't want them in charge of anything that's going to happen in my elderly years because they're going to kill us all off. And we're like, let's kill all the old people first. We need more food. I can hear it already. Well, it's an extremely risky thing to do with an energy source that we all depend on for our, our very lives, literally. So um, to be gambling like this with the national grid is really uh, incredibly irresponsible. It is. Where do people go to read your amazing contributions to Epoch Times, Mr. Kevin? Well, uh, theepochtimes.com, uh, and I'm a frequent uh, contributor there. And also I have a documentary on the ESG movement called The Shadow State, and they can it's free to all Epoch Times subscribers, but they can also see it at theshadowstate.com, and it's available on DVD or streaming. And happy vacation to you, Kevin. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.